Welcome to the Fat AZ Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Uh, once again, Vance is in the front of the Ranger. I'm standing next to it. We have uh, Todd on the phone. He's up at Chautauqua, and we have a special guest this week, uh, Tony Grant. And, uh, you know, this this week's podcast, it's uh, brought to you by Fat AZ Muskie Products. Find us at fatazmuskie.com, Fat AZ Muskie Products on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. Uh, we're also brought to you by Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, um, <clears throat> MuddyCreekFishingGuides.com. That's Todd Young. He uh, partners in the baits. He has his own bait business. But uh, like every week, we uh, ask Todd for a fishing report, and we'll just hand it over to Todd and uh, take it away. Yeah, we, I didn't. Uh, I just fished up through Saturday this week. Didn't do anything the last couple of days. Uh, uh, been sort of the same old story. I mean, the guys that want to cast, they're able to get some fish. We got uh, three or four fish most every day last week. Uh, took one day, did some trolling, looking around the lake, trying to find a trolling bite, and, you know, trolled seven hours. We had two fish on, got it, got one and lost one. That's just been the way it's been, you know. Uh, the guys that want to cast and the guys that want to spend their time doing that, you know, we've been still getting a lot of action. So, any, anything special happen this week, Todd? Uh, well, I don't know how much special it was. There was some, uh, <laughs> yeah, Saturday I was running down the lake to start the trip in the morning, and uh, right away my motor cut down onto three cylinders. Uh, it kept running uh, through the day, but it was inevitable. I was hoping I was going to get out easy with just a coil or something, but after 13 years, I blew up the engine, so... How many hours? We're taking her in tomorrow to get rebuilt. Uh, Tony, you ever blow an engine? Yes, sir. You ever blow an engine, Tony? I've, I've blown quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> it's never a good feeling. I know the sound as soon as it happens. It's never a good feeling. No, no, that's the second time for me. It's been about all oh, 15 or 20 years, but I mean, it, it's pretty inevitable, you know. The last, the, the last time it was, it was. Uh, everybody in the boat knew that it was blown up because it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty aggressive. I didn't I knew it was done. This time I wasn't sure what happened. You know, it just sort of slowed down. But uh, yeah, I, I you know I looked about maybe updating and getting a new motor or uh, things like that. But man, you know the boat's a few years old now, and I'd have to change steering. And I'm just going to get through the season, get this thing rebuilt, and hopefully get back on the water by Friday, the way the guys are telling me. So we'll see. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, Tony, this this past weekend you were up at Vermilion. You're fishing PMTT. What right. what's the story there? Uh, it was the craziest tournament I've ever seen. Yeah. I've been to a lot of tournaments and uh, a lot of tournaments on Lake Vermilion. Um, it was just phenomenal. You know that place. Just the wind blows hard. The fish fish eat hard. And uh, a record number of fish, a record uh, large fish at 57 and a half, mm -hmm. and a record number of, of uh, fish over 40 inches. So we had a, a total record number, a total for the, a day, uh, the biggest fish ever caught, and the most 40 inches ever caught. And well, please did ask you, me how I did because I didn't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Did you the see? Fish the fish absolutely. The 
fish absolutely went nuts the first three hours of the day when the wind was blowing. When the wind died, they died. It took six fish to win, an all-time record for uh, amount points to win. I think the guys hit six, all of them over 40, uh, with a 50 and a half, I think, uh, with their big fish. It was, uh, it's absolutely crazy. I've always known that place had a lot of fish. I think 23 fish is the most that I've ever been in a, involved in a tournament there. Uh, and uh, this one had 79. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good tournament. Yeah, they, 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 the, the PNTT was there before, if I remember, I think. Didn't, didn't Greg get a big one a few years back on that lake? No, no, that was in Bemenji. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. That got the big one in the championship of Bemenji, and that was the previous largest fish ever caught in the PNTT. Yeah. yeah. This one passed that one by about three and a half inches. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, you know, some people wonder if those fish really do seriously exist, but it's nice to see one get turned out in a tournament like that. Well, it just, uh, the place turned on. We did great pre-fishing. Uh, just could not do, we couldn't get anything to eat during the, and during the tournament. We've seen some big fish. As a matter of fact, the fish that I had worked for two days, uh, a buddy of mine came right behind me and caught it uh, while we were still on the Sunday said, Oh, he thinks he's still good. Is he still your buddy? No, I don't like the guy at all. <laughs> <laughs> we're, this, we're, we're, we're most of the guys uh, casting up there, Tony? Yeah, I think only two fish were caught trolling. Yeah. Um, I put in my time trolling and lost a, a pretty nice one. Uh, but uh, those fish were so tight on the rocks, you know, you had to throw an eight inches of water up on the rocks to bring them off there. And uh, the amount of fish seen was unbelievable. Uh, you know, boat control is tough there. You've got to keep your boat off the rocks uh, when you're casting up on them because you're casting super tight on them. And, of course, typical Minnesota is the hardest wind-blown spot is where they came from. Wow. And you said that that big fish was 57 inches. Did I hear that correctly? 57 and a half. Wow. That, didn't that end up being after the second day in 18th place? Yeah, 18th place. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did those guys, did, did those, did those guys uh, finish top 10 that caught that giant? No, 18th. No, no, that's the only fish they got. They were 18th. Un- unbelievable. That's worth it. I'd take an 18th place for a 57. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> Heck, the money. It, it took a triple to be in the top 10. Oh, my God. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. There were three 15s that didn't make the board, and there was, uh, I think, two or three doubles or triples that didn't make the board. So it, it, was, it was one of the best I'd ever seen. Now, I'm not going to make excuses, but. Uh, the biggest part of the people that placed in the tournaments were local guys that, you know, they're used to working that wind up there. I've always had, hated it. Uh, yeah. It is very tough fishing, and uh, you're always got to be on your toes, and when you hook one, that's the worst time. you got to get that boat out of there in a hurry, getting get netted and getting out of there in a hurry to keep off the rocks. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. I was glad to be part of it. That's yeah, that's just, it's just so much different than the fishing that 
that, uh, I mean, I knew that the few times I went to Minnesota, seeing those guys casting up like that in the real, real shallow stuff. I mean, I know you guys catch them shallow with cave run, but it's not like you're fishing anything. You, you might have to look for a log, but, uh, Right, you know, I don't have anywhere to even fish like that around here. Or a or a or a you telephone know, pole. Telephone pole. <laughs> yeah, on those big rocks. Yeah. Yeah. They were caught all over. It was, it was a, a great tournament, and they've always set a, 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 several schools up there with week long schools with Greg Thomas and Muskie Rosal. We ran some good, really great. Uh, windows of opportunity where we caught a bunch of fish and it was kind of cool to see a tournament where you know the fish were truly on because up there the thing is they they're either on like crazy or they're just completely shut off and we caught them we definitely caught them on yeah that's a that that, that that's a that's a great turnout i mean you know before that what i think the records would come from uh wisconsin river you were part of that one well it was contrary from madison the record number of single day fish was yeah. uh, 47, and we had uh, this tournament produced 57 the first, or 59 the first day. Wow, 74 total. Yeah, flat out amazing. It, it was amazing, and the, what was amazing about it is how fast they came. Uh, you know, a big factor in my mind, and a lot of people have overlooked it. We didn't have any jet boats in this tournament. You took a picture of the fish yourself on the bump board, head and tail. And uh, so the guys that got a lot of fish during those, those branches both mornings, uh, I think I was told 32 of the 59 fish the first morning came in the first three hours. And, well, uh, that wouldn't have happened with judge boats. You know how it is, how you got yeah. for judge boat, go through procedure. And, uh, you know, you're looking at 20 or 25 minutes time to get your paperwork done and all that before you can fish again. On this case, you know, the guys just got a quick picture and got it right back in the water, which is not bad. You know, they've got these computer programs now where it's not going to happen where somebody's going to measure the same fish twice on you, color-coded stickers uh, where you're given the details each morning. It's kind of hard to do any cheating. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I think it's going to I think it's going to help help out a lot, you know, because I mean, we all, I mean, getting involved in the, uh, you know, with, with fishing as much as we do, you, you hit those little windows, and there's lots of times I get out here on 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 these on some of these bites, especially well, trolling and cast, and you know, we're trolling, we hook a little one, and I, I I'm just like, you know, let's we we just keep the boat going, and sort of get him unhooked while we're doing it, because you get. Uh, you'll get two or three bites sometimes in just a matter of minutes. Of course, if you stop the boat, bring it in, take pictures, or in the PFTT case, got to go do a judge boat. Yeah, like you said, sometimes you're you're not fishing for 20, 25 minutes, and you're sitting there, and those fish could be snapping right at your feet right now. So, well, yeah, that's, that's what we need. Hopefully, it'll be the thing, a thing of the future, you know. And, and now most guys are wearing GoPros and all this kind of stuff, so... Hopefully, the future uh, eliminates the judge votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. It's a great. How, are you, now, are you fishing down in, in Kentucky right now, Tony? No, it's too hot here. I, too hot. Just uh, last week, it went up to about mid eighties, and as far as water temperature, it's just too rough on them right here. There are some guys that are fishing the river around here. Uh, 
I got some stuff to do the next few weeks, and then I'm going to go back up north for about three weeks, spend some time trolling. I had great success trolling, as I told you guys about uh, uh, when the Wisconsin had their trolling opener for the first time since 1984, and uh, uh, I did really well. So it's open. Like it, 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 Wisconsin's open now. All that northern Wisconsin just open for trolling as of July 1st. Yeah. Right, uh, and, and the rules are different in each county. Three of the counties have one rod, two rod maximum per boat. No matter oh, if you got 10 people. That's just in three counties. The rest of the counties are like the rest of the state, three rods per person. But oh, okay. Three of the counties, Oneida, Sawyer, and Vilas County, it's one rod per person, two rods maximum per boat. Okay, yeah. I didn't realize it was three rods to the rest of Wisconsin. That's, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's, cool, that's something those fish have never seen, haven't seen in, what, 20-some years. That's that's crazy. You start pulling. Yeah, you know, I would have liked to have had more time doing it. Uh, I did six days, got 23 fish. My two biggest was on Project X. Uh, <laughs> nice plug. and a half of a 50. Um... It, you know, it was a lot of fun. I got I got to see the project that's really working uh, uh, and, and over that deep water with bigger bait. I didn't get a chance to get up shallow. The weeds were in a completely different spots than my normal markings on my GPS. I didn't feel I had much time uh, to get everything marked on all those different lakes. I've seven different lakes to make sense on any of them. Uh, but what... Uh, uh, I knew going in there was a ton of open water fish caught right after these fish spawn up there. And uh, I've got some buddies up there doing it now. They've done terrible in open water. They're starting to do real good trolling weed edges, short lining. But what I was looking for then was the open water fish. Okay. Nice. So you're going to try to, you're going to go back up here when you get some stuff straightened out. Where, where, where do you typically fish in Wisconsin? I go to Violence County, um, uh, which is the Eagle River area. I don't necessarily fish the Eagle River chain, but north and south twin and Kentucky and Seven Mile. And so, then I also do the St. Croix River right here at the border of uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota. Those are two spots I've been to the last eight, nine years. Okay, so that's where you caught the big tigers, right? Yeah, Kentucky. Uh, a great tiger pattern, which unfortunately lasted for a while and, and yeah. went away. But, uh, uh, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, it, uh, it's still good body of water. The invasive species have taken over the lake as far as weeds. It turned in, it went from what we call the aquarium, eight, nine foot visibility now to about a foot or less visibility with all these invasive weeds that are in there. Oh, wow. I did tell it. We caught one. Uh, it was, uh, um, you know, it's a very shallow lake, 17 foot. is pretty much the max depth all over except for one deep hole. And it was very tough to troll with all of a base of eel grass and all that stuff. Curly pond we did has found itself way into that lake. Hmm. So, uh... <clears throat> You know, just just you know, I, I've I've met Tony. You know, I've known him. You know, for probably I don't know a couple years. And 
you know, after meeting Todd, Todd talked about the early days of the PMTT with Tony. Did you guys have any good stories from the early days of the PMTT? I don't know uh, too many that we might want to tell over the uh, <laughs> <laughs> over live broadcast. I think it made me. It, it, we had a lot of fun when that first started up. I mean, that first year, nineteen ninety-nine, there was about oh, I think if I remember correctly, about forty, thirty, or forty trail teams, and most of the tournaments just had fifty boats, stuff like that. But uh, right. I met Tony at the. Uh, Dun Dun Roven on the Chippewa Flow. It's sitting at the bar, of course. And uh, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> he sat down beside us, and we start talking to him a little bit. And you know, here we find out later from Tim McLackey, the guy that that, that ran it. Uh, he told me the story when he was getting ready to get it started up about, uh, you know, I think Tony was the first guy to, to enter, right? Right, yeah, he told the story this past weekend at the tournament that, you know, I waited for hoping that there would be some kind of, I I picked some bad tournaments uh, um, years ago, the Redman Trail, and uh, I always just, when I got into monkey fishing, was hoped that there would someday be some tournaments, and when uh, they announced the trail, I called Tim and uh, Larry Ramsell, Overnighted my money because I, I was afraid that I wouldn't get in. Then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kept the overnight packet forever. But yeah, we I found a lot of a lot of fun. Uh, you learn a lot of things. Uh, Musky wise, I learned a ton from Todd and uh, Dale about trolling and uh, something we hadn't done much at all. We thought trolling was throw a hundred feet of line back and you know, kick your feet up and drive around the lake. We learned a lot different. Uh, but the, uh, the companionship that you, you make and the, uh, the people you meet, and truthfully, you know, most of the people are really good people. And it's just a lot of fun to go to a bunch of different waters. It's about the only fun fishing that I do anymore, you know, with a tight schedule trying to make a living doing this. Um, you don't get much chance to be out on your own fishing, and I've always loved, uh, you know, being out by myself fishing or fishing with one other person and not concentrating on worrying about getting a customer a fish. So I look at it as my fun time. I really do enjoy it. But I tell you guys, uh, up there at Vermilion, all but one fish was caught on big blades, and this old guy has a tough time throwing them big blades all day long. <laughs> into that wind and pulling them back. Uh, yeah. I even bought a crank reel for $500 uh, <laughs> to try to help me. And uh, it's still a tough, you know, it, it seems like with that and and a lot of places with, you know, hitting big baits in those Minnesota waters, it, it really is a young man's game up there in Minnesota. Uh, just because it seems like the fish, you know, you got to bear in mind that on Lake Vermilion, three years ago, their flight net study gave them an average of 50 and a half for a female, 47 and a half for, uh, or 50 and a half for a female, 47 for a male. You're dealing with much bigger fish. For cave run, our average is right at 40 uh, for a female. Those guys are looking at much bigger fish up there, and if they do eat much bigger baits. Although some of the fish up there were caught on those rocks uh, on nets, uh, 
and smaller, smaller baits. The biggest part of them come on those big blades up there. And, you know, when it's a lead head fight up there, it seems like they want the biggest rubber you can throw. And the same thing in St. Clair. It's just, it's a, a young man's game in some of those spots. It's, just, it's tough to do that all day long. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. I mean, how often, you guys ask me all the time how often I have clients throwing, you know, double tens and, 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 you know, the founder bulldogs. And I, I, you know, for me, where I'm fishing, sort of, uh, I don't even have them on board. I mean, most of the time I fish with people who never even did it. The last thing you're going to do is try to teach somebody to fish, throwing something like that. They're going to be done in 10 minutes. I mean, they're done right now. It's a lot of times 20 minutes into the casting, and we're throwing easy-to-use baits, you know. Uh, exactly. You know, and I run against the same problem, and a lot of my customers are older uh, guys that have been with me for many years, and if I throw them a double-ten blade out there to throw, they look at me and laugh because uh, <laughs> they're just not going to do it. And, uh, you know, it's not the only thing that a catch fish. There's no doubt about that. There's a billion lures out there that will. But uh, I think in Minnesota, where you're up on those rocks, St. Clair, where even most guys tell me that, you know, the mag bulldogs, the pounders outproduce the mags three to one. Guys are going to be throwing them pounders. And I've had a lot of my customers go to St. Clair and say, yep, I'm glad I went, but I'll never go back and do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even with the good equipment, it's just a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, there's just certain places like that that have such, you know, ever, like Chicago, where you're at, God, there's some giants in there. Yeah. But, you know, you're not going to get a shot at a 50 inch every day. I think in the two days of the tournament, I had legitimate shots at three 50 inches. Mm. I had wow. to fish a whole long time and came run to have a shot at three 50 inches. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we count them by the, you know, you get a shot a week at a 50 inch a lot of times. <laughs> I'd if you're lucky. We probably don't even do that here. Yeah. I know we don't do that here. And, uh, you know, you're in an area that's got much bigger fish. We've got big fish. But, you know, I'm lucky if I can get catch 250 inches a year here on K-Run and see two or three more. So it's just a different world where those big fish are. Uh, a lot of those areas get hot and come and go just like my wax in the older days 10 years ago. Malax was the hottest place you could go. When they had that PMTT there last year, they caught one fish the first day, and it was a 34-incher. Now, there was a 55 across the second day, but there's just not those. You know, these lakes just come and go, I really do believe. Yeah, you know, getting back to that PMTT thing, the, you know, the neat thing to me about the, the PMTT was, you know, to get stuck in your own, I mean, not stuck, but I mean, I live in western Pennsylvania. I travel north to go musky fishing. We walk to fish the Corinthians, venture over to the Georgian Bay area up in Canada. Obviously, spend time at the, in your home state, Chautauqua. If it wasn't for the PMPT, I would have never, ever done anything but read about some of those lakes out in Wisconsin, Minnesota, because I would have never consciously made the effort to say, I'm going to hook my boat up and go on a 22-hour drive to go fish this place. That's like Vermillion to me. It was an 18-hour run up there. It's a long way. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, th th that was the neat thing about the PMTT. And I know when you guys got started, I don't know if you've done much fishing outside of uh, K 
cave run. Uh, I've been there. I've been up there and fished one tournament. Me and Dave Christian used to go up and fish at the, the Peaton Well every year. And the only time I was in Wisconsin, the one place, and come home. And we did that for three or four years before the PMCC. But that's yeah. it. It, it, it does take you to a lot of new waters and stuff, but be careful about it. You know, if you're into the PMTT to make money, you're in the wrong sport. Because you look at it over the years and all the tournaments, there is nobody that has done very many tournaments and ever come out ahead overall. I mean, I yeah. think Greg Thomas is the overall money winner in the PMTT, and he'll be the first to admit he's spent way more than he's made. Oh, yeah. It's neat to get out there and see the places. It's just exactly what it's about. And just, you know, do some com- friendly, competitive uh, type fishing. You know, it's a lot of fun. But, you know, the main thing is we do have our area. You've got yours there. And I tell you, just like in the tournament this weekend, the local guys showed that the local knowledge really means a lot. And we've never showed that too much down here at Cave Run. And I think that's because every tournament we have here has been one in a different way. But most of the places I go, it doesn't have the big rising and falling water levels. The locals do really well. Yeah. And not oh, yeah, that, far, that, that means a lot. That, yeah, that, that cave, that cave run. I mean, I had never been down there when it was like that this spring. Well, obviously it was a record, record setting high, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it just takes you out of every, I mean, the, what the, the, just a few times I've been down there, I, I enjoy going down there for the tournament because you know, I feel like I, I have places that I have the confidence. I, you know, we, we've cut fish, right. we've cut big fish. Uh, when you put 30 foot extra water in there, my spots burn 44 feet of water. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, it makes a difference. Yeah, it makes such a big difference with that kind of stuff happening. Jeez. For, for the people that, that that don't know, Tony, talk about Cave Run this spring because it was pretty extraordinary. Well, Cave Run, we're noted that every two or three years to flood up. You know, we are a flood control lake, and they pull it down seven feet anticipating those floods every winter. And, uh, well, this one this year was, you know, like I say, most years, every two or three years, it'll come up 15 feet. This year it came up with a total of 32 and a half feet and stayed there for the longest time. I think it was uh, June 11th when they got it back down to summer pool um, and July 4th weekend, or no, July 14th, it was back up another 15 feet. We've had more rain this year. But the bottom line was guys were fishing areas. If they had been there before, like Todd was saying, and their, some of their favorite little spots there were in seven feet of water, they were in 39 feet of water this time. And uh, it, it took, Todd knows that it took a real special person to be able to cast at that overhanging flooded timber. The cast had to be accurate, and there wasn't a whole lot caught in that tournament trolling. And it showed the fish were right up in that timber still, and the open water bite just wasn't there much. It, what I found, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, how long... There were some How long would it, you know... So so you got a lake. What's, what's Cave Run, about 8,000 acres? 8,000, yeah. And then it, it grew to how big? 
Well, when we started the year off this year, uh, well, for one thing, we froze over for the second year in a row. The only two times the lake has froze solid since the existence in 1969. Uh, so we were delayed by 10 days getting a start. We normally start March 1st. We were delayed by 10 days for the ice to get out. And two days later, it was up 16 feet. And, uh, you know, that's a heck of a lot of water coming in. But we started out the year as the eighth biggest lake in Kentucky. By the end of April, we were the third biggest lake. We increased to almost 19,000 acres. Wow. <laughs> that makes that, that spreads those muskies out pretty good there. Yeah. yeah. We had a lot of places to fish, but the muskies had a lot more places to hide. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you can get in between the trees, that's what. Uh, you know, I, I was down there this year with Vance. I mean, it was kind of funny. We, we, we decided one way or the other we were going to work our way in to throw some bait up towards the bank. Yeah, this was we the PMTT. Just, yeah, 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 this is the PMTT. We spent most of our time just trolling the edge of the trees. If you got into 27 feet of water, you just got snagged. Uh, so obviously we, we were out on the edge just uh, just playing around there. But, uh, you know, once you got up into those trees, it, there, I mean – Cave Run is for for guys that have never been there. I mean, it's a it's the Daniel Boone National Forest. I mean, the trees you don't realize how close trees are until you try to get your boat up in there. There was a there, there was very few places you could even get in towards the shore because the trees are too close together. I couldn't fit my boat through there. Exactly where I was fishing, and there was about six fish caught. Was up in a flooded parking lot. <laughs> and we were calling the judge votes, me and a couple guys there from Pennsylvania that did real well, um, called the judge votes, and we were saying we're at, at the um, the campground country store. We'd say country store. Well, Tim in the meeting says, I've been on K-Run 17 years. I've never, ever heard of the country store. And I said, that's because it's 2,000 feet from where the water usually is. <laughs> and we were way back up in the house. They were like uh, 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 nets for volleyball nets or something up in there, I think. Oh, Ladies, they were... volleyball nets. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Nash caught a 40-incher, and we tracked it uh, after, he, after the tournament was over. He was 1.4 miles back from where the lake normally ends the parking lot at Leatherwood. He was 1.4 miles back up there. <laughs> Yeah. 
That is, yeah, that's that, that's a lot of different fishing. I mean, where I'm from here, where I do my fishing, I mean, if it raises a foot, people's docks are under the water, and that's just, that's a flood. A foot. <laughs> yeah, well, I got to kick that the way they are in northern Wisconsin. The guy says, man, you got to watch out, honey, when you get up there. We got real high water. We're up almost 14 inches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 14 inches. Yeah, yeah. We can do that. You know, the, the PMPT in 2011 here, guys were parked in Clay Lake Park. And I was going to know, know what I'm talking about there. Yeah. But yep. They parked there in the morning, free fishing, came back, and their tires were underwater <laughs> when they come back later that day. Come on, seven feet in that one day. Oh and, uh, you know, it's a different world down here when that starts happening. But hopefully it doesn't happen again. It really, what, what is worse right now, Usually we get those floods and uh, uh, the weeds just grow slow and we usually don't have any till summer. This year was the second flood that we had and the first flood that lasted so long. We can't find any weeds out there at all. So we're going to be going into the fall. And I haven't had anybody look for them in about two weeks now. But uh, as of about two weeks ago, there wasn't any weeds to be found. And that's going to really affect us this fall. It's going to be the first time that I've seen it a lot of times where the weeds are affected it, and we have maybe half the weeds that we usually have. I don't know if we're going to have any. Yeah. yeah. Second flood came right in the middle of the summer, right after, you know, they had the lake down for a month, and then it shot back up 14 foot and stayed up there for three weeks. So I'm not real sure what we're going to face this fall. We get started here uh, the first week of September, and... Who in the heck knows? Yeah. Well, it'll be back like old times. You guys didn't have weeds. All right, right, right. It's just been so long we can't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the first time I was there, I mean, I was lost. I went down there. There was no weeds. The second time I went down, you know, we found all these weeds and we caught fish. But, uh, you know, you, you're, you're yourself and, uh, and uh, you know, Crash, Mullins, and everyone's like, these weeds, I don't, you know, the weeds are on all our spots, you know. Uh <laughs> That all you guys were always well, yeah. down in the middle of the Yeah. No, Todd, Todd, you well, went down you know, there. Cave Run, I've always said the Cave Run, in my opinion, was the most challenging body of water anywhere in the country because of that water level fluctuation and what it can do to your structure growth of your weeds. Plus, it just seems like when you have those bad flood years, those fish never get back into the groove, or at least the groove that. We're, we're used to catching them from, and we just never get back on them good that year. Yeah. Sometimes it'll happen in the spring, and in the fall we'll get back on them a little bit, but it just seems like I think the fish get upset. And you can actually see it in the fish because you start catching super skinny fish in the fall here, and that rarely ever happens. They're, they're eating up on these gizzard sh- or these threadcone shad, and they usually fatten up pretty quick. And on those years that are really bad, it seems like you catch a lot of skinny, skinny fish. So I think it, it just upsets their whole apple cart. Uh, sure does me and my customers, too. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> other than that, so, so Cave Run went from, like, no weeds to having weeds. Now, those are invasive species weeds, or... No, they were all planted here, and it's a raised mill foil. 
that most places pay to get rid of. You know, you're familiar with Omer and Chautauqua. But our, uh, the, the seven feet that we pulled during the, the winter months keep it under, under check pretty good. You know, because that seven feet is the main area those weeds grow here. And that all becomes dry by, you know, first of November. So it kills them all pretty good, but they're right back there the next year. And those were all put in by the DNR or Department of Fish and Wildlife we are here. And uh, uh, it took them about eight different tries at different weeds. They tried caddies, they tried lily pads, hydrilla. Nothing would go, but the Eurasian millfoil finally took off. Okay. So, so when you have a bad weed year, typically where do you look uh, next? What structure? Well, I've always been a timber fisherman. I love, you know, there are all this standing timber in here. Um, and a lot of our fish relate to just those shallow banks, the mud flats and the sand flats. A lot of our fish relate to that. But, you know, when you get the weed that gives you a good target, I never forget Dave Christian telling me in 1997, Dave was a guy who guided for me for many years, a great fisherman. And he said, uh, Man, I'm seeing all this stuff on my graph. I don't know what it is. So we went out and we tried to pull it up. We found out it was weeds. And that was like early summer. We went back out, started our fall season that year, and went into Buck Creek, which is one of the, the best fall spots on Cave Run Lake, with just a big black mud bay that's very shallow. And that's where we caught our fish. The shad were right up there. We couldn't get our boats to where we fished because the 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 millfoil had matted on the surface, and we couldn't even get in that bay. And that's that's when we thought, God, we hate these weeds. <laughs> once we once we learned how to how to get those edges and stuff, we did much better. Yeah, um, you know, with I went down oh gosh, a couple years ago with Todd to fish the PMTT down there. You know, and just looking around, it, you know, the banks are really steep. I see a lot of, you know, trees. It's like they plugged up all these creeks and just flooded everything up. Have you noticed, you know, in the time that you fished there, like the, the, the timber changing structure, like it's decaying and, and falling in? And it's No doubt. No doubt. Uh, well, a, a couple of things I've noticed over the 25 years I've been here. The old creek channels are not there anymore. They filled in with silt, and a lot of the trees are dying off. They started a project last year, and uh, their their project is over the next three years. They're putting eight miles of artificial structure into Cave Run. Mm -hmm. They got step one done last year, which was a mile of structure uh, up and down Clay Lake to the river. And then half a mile from Stony Point uh, to, the, to the dam from Adams and Stony Point. And this year has been delayed. But what they're doing, they're taking giant cedar trees, putting them in blocks of concrete and dropping them out in 40 foot of water, 30 foot of water, uh, up in the shallow areas. They're building fishing tractors out of wood. Uh, they're using a lot of wood piling. Don't know how it's going to affect things, uh, but they're putting the effort to bring some of that back because, yeah, stuff that isn't hardwood is now 
starting to disappear. Uh, you know, some of the hardwoods are still out there, but a lot of the other stuff, a lot of the pines and poplars and stuff that wasn't hardwood was definitely decaying and, and going away. So they're trying to replace that now with this man-made stuff. And it's quite a project. It was, uh, um, it was really fun to watch them do it. They had about a hundred volunteers and dropping, you know, uh, steak beds and all kinds of stuff everywhere. So We'll see how it affects. I didn't notice it helped much last fall, but I would say it takes a while for the fish to uh, to adapt to some of that new stuff. Oh, the project they did over on Kentucky Lake uh, a few years back was supposed to really help the bass and crappie fishing over there. So we'll see what it does here. Are, are, are they putting that stuff in and, and, and making it public information, like where they're putting it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Right, right there. As a matter of fact, it's on the Internet right now. The, the GPS, they're putting GPS coordinates to all of it. Yeah, because when they don't do that, that's really hard on the trollers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what they're trying to do, Todd, is that we're trying to keep everything 12 foot from the surface. Oh, Okay. Which means in the fall, uh, it goes down to five feet from the surface. Yeah, yeah. But we have noticed some sticking out of the water, and uh, it just happens when you got this the flood like this, it moves stuff around. Oh yeah, and yeah. I helped with a project in 1986 here, where we put over uh, 5,000 cedar trees with cinder blocks in different spots in the lake. Two years later, we had a massive flood in 91, uh, and it took almost every bit of it away. Yeah, this point is connecting all this stuff together so it can't move as easily. Mm -hmm. And time will tell. But it is showing they're doing some kind of effort, and I like that. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, I have a... uh... A question back to the early days in the in the PMTT. Um, Todd just touched base on uh, you know dropping those cedar trees and whatnot, and and them not being mapped out on the, the GPS. Tough on the trollers. Uh, and the, Todd, when you when you first went down there for for those tournaments, you uh, you trolled. You brought you, your creature of habit. You, we were all talking about how how we all take our tactics and and take them to different lakes, and sometimes they work, and, and sometimes they don't. Um, but you specifically trolled those tournaments, whereas everybody else, maybe Tony, you were you were casting for these, chucking up into the t- timber and whatnot. But, uh, you know, Todd came down, and, and uh, I don't know if, if, if that was maybe one of the, you know, the, the first time you guys have, have seen uh, a serious musky troller or... Uh, now, to be truthful about it, my first DMTT here in 1999, it was in the fall, and I got both my fish trolling. Uh, I got them late in the game, and at that point, I'd seen two people, or not two people, but two methods of trolling on Cape Verne Lake. One was guys getting out in the middle of the lake, putting a 100-feet line out trolling, or guys long line trolling spinnerbaits right over top of the week, going super slow. That was it, and there was very few people that did either one. And I had caught a few fish doing that spinnerbait method, 
Uh, I put them 90 to 100 feet back, go 2.2 miles an hour, and troll right over top of the weed. And uh, that's how I got those five fish in that tournament. Um, but, yeah, it was something that very rarely did you ever see anybody and Todd and Dale are responsible for all these damn trollers we got out here now. <laughs> no, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the first time I went there, like you said, there was no, I went there like an off, used to have the uh, cabin fever thing. Mm-hmm. It was probably like in 95 or something, I went down one time, right. and, and, and there were no weeds, you know, and we went down and we trolled. That's that's, way, that's what we always did when we went to these new tournaments, try to learn the lake is, you know, I... I troll. I mean, I love casting. I, I would, when I get a date myself, I don't get the trolling stuff out. But, uh, right, you know, right. Well, just, like, just flat puts them in the boat, especially when you're trying to learn a place. And, uh, I do remember guys down there, like, people walking up to me and saying, why, why do you have two motors on your boat? You know, <laughs> big motor and we have a kicker motor. Like, what, what, what's that motor for? And they're like, well, that's, that's our trolling motor. And, uh, you know, yeah, so it, it was something a lot of guys weren't doing down there. You see it a lot now, I know that. I mean, Greg's become a trolling master. And, uh, oh, he, he loves it, you know, and he, he absolutely loves it. And you look at St. Clair up there, those guys in those giant boats running 18 lines at a time with outfitters <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I have learned from you guys the best way to learn a lake when you go to it and you don't know anything about it is get on there and troll. You know, you learn so much about the water just watching watching your graph. And I remember you and uh, Dale telling me, you know, you get out here, one guy constantly watches that graph, and the other guy, you know, runs the lures. And, uh, I, I, you know, uh, everything we've learned about trolling has come from you guys. And it is an effective way to do it. It's another way to catch fish. I love doing it when they're biting uh, in tournaments on trolling. I love doing it when customers get to that point where their cast is landed halfway to the weed edge, their figure eight is nothing, and it's time to go trolling. And I learned that, you know, it, it's awesome. Uh, it's an awesome way of doing it, there's no doubt. Uh, it's just another tool that you can use, and I found out that it keeps a lot of the older guys in the game a little bit longer. Oh, for sure. I mean, you, you know, just, just for beginners, when you take kids out or something, you know, just having fun get them out there, getting the opportunity to catch a fish. You know, and, and I'll tell you, you know, lots of times we get, uh, you know, the stuff we see trolling, I'm, as we're trolling, I'm picking the spots that we're going to be casting. That's the way we always exactly. approach it, you know. Right, and that's exactly the way I, why I like doing it now uh, is, is, you know, that I can go back there and uh, learn a body of water really quick uh, and, and learn the areas that you do want to cast. You're exactly right. I, I, it's become a real tool for me, and I, I really enjoy doing it. Uh, you know, if you get kids on the boat and they can reel that fish in, uh, it probably would have never happened casting. And, yeah, for sure. So, uh, so, uh, so, you know, uh, I appreciate what you guys have taught us over the years, and, uh, you know, like you say, Greg, he's become a, a little addict at it. I, you know, I learned a lot from him with his experience out there, and it's just another tool that really puts fish in the boat. Nice. Now, 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 Tony, you got so many irons in the fire. 
I don't even know where to start plugging your stuff. Why don't you start? You, you run the motel. You run road well, rules. The lodge. So you run a few odds here at Cave Run. Um, you know, we, we play host to about 1,000 to 1,200 musky fishermen from all over the country. But mainly that's March, April, May, and June, September, October, November. Now, uh, do, do you ever get someone from, like, a big city that's just like, we're going to go out in the country and do this, and they book a room, and then they, like, what are all these boats doing around here? And what are these fish on the oh, wall? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> We're in such a boondock area down here that most of the people who stay at the lodge are people that I bring in there, you know, from doing the shows and all that type of stuff. I've been going up north. I'm, I, you know, I used to do 16 weeks a year during the summer where it's just too hot on the this year to, for their survival rate. I started going north in 2000. 2001, and uh, I, I'm to the point now where uh, I'm, I've cut that back down to five to six weeks, and I'm probably going to be cutting it back even more in the future. Um, I've got a lot of other stuff going. You know, we've got the Ohio Muskie Show that we, uh, Greg and I, put on, and this year we're going to have the Southern Muskie Fest here in Kentucky on February 27th, 28th, which will be the first Muskie Expo in Kentucky. We've got our school's musky road rules. We're up to nine of them now. Uh, so, you know, I stay pretty busy, and I'm going to use my summers to, to mainly do that other stuff and really just take it easy a while. I'm, I'm uh, approaching 60 years old here in a few years. <laughs> I want to enjoy my summers a little bit more. Although I know I'm going to miss the fishing up north. I wish I would have stayed more with the open trolling up there this year. I am going to book a, a, a good block next year uh, just to see what else I can do up there trolling. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, a lot of the guys up north, here's what they've run into with this trolling thing up north, is they've got these big motors. Nobody has kickers like Todd says. There, you know, a lot of the guys in Wisconsin, they, they don't have a kicker for this. And they'll get out there and burn up about thirty dollars worth of gas or thirty gallons of gas during the day strolling around and they're like, Oh boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but something they're gonna have to get used to up there. There is some really small lakes, but you know, in Dallas County where I go, there's over four hundred lakes with muskies in them. So, you know, it's it's spread all over uh uh you know, the, the the trolling thing up there it, is catching on, but uh, it's still new to everybody up there. Have you been getting a lot of, uh, I don't know, the evil eye from the locals when, when they see you out there trolling? You know. Well, um, you know, it was voted in twice by people that had fishing license, voted it in. There is just a handful of people against it. Now, I did have a guy circle me for about a whole day up there screaming, I'm lazy, fisherman. Go back to Kentucky. <laughs> I tell you, I got more people curious about older guys that said, hey, I'm about to hang up my musket here. This is going to start me all over it again. So really, I was afraid that it was going to be worse than what it was. Up there, it wasn't near as bad as what I thought. And now even the locals that protested it before,
the waters are small. You've been to Eagle Riverdale. Uh, yeah. So lakes on that chain, you can get busy with people anyway, and then you put a bunch of trawlers out there. And I can understand that they don't want to troll on lakes, you know, 300 and less and stuff, but it is still wide open to all the lakes. So it was, uh, Andy, for to answer your question, I was amazed that I didn't get more shit than I got. And I thought it was funny, by the second week I was up there, guys in the league that were protesting it completely, and they have fishing leagues up there like they have bowling leagues. They have the Tuesday night league, the Monday night league, and uh, you know, it's musky fishing. And I've seen a lot of them trolling, so I I think they're they're going to take on to it pretty good. Please. Yeah, you know the, the, the one thing when when I was when I would talk to some people about it, and I was like, uh, you know, the, the way I looked at it is, well, you know, it, it they allow it in forty nine and a half states right now. Right, <laughs> it, it's not going to destroy your fisheries. <laughs> you know, that, well, that, that's fun. Their whole thought up there on the trolling is for walleye. Yeah. They were afraid that too many of the big female walleye before they spawned would be taken. Oh, okay. There was no way that the DNR could tell who was trolling for walleye and who was trolling for money. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest reasons that they sucked <clears throat> back in 1984. Uh, there okay. was a lot of money being taken back then and killed. But back then in 84, about all the muskies that were caught were killed anyway. Yeah, you kept them. They were never big enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, it's they've taken on to it pretty well. It amazes me. And there are some things on the books right now where Minnesota, which has been one rod per person forever, may go to two rods per person. Hmm. Um, now, I might... Well, all picking up everywhere. Yeah. My, my geography might be off, but is, isn't, like, Wisconsin an area where, where they have tribal spearing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, in Minnesota. Well, yeah, because around here, there, there's nothing like that. And I was just going to ask you, you know, you know, fill us in if you know anything about that. Because, you know, I always... I... Well, we have the hillbillies here in Kentucky this season. <laughs> they got the Indians up. They got the Indians up north. First and Nation. Yeah, there are allowed, you know... Their uh, their laws were to when they you know the treaties that were signed they were given their steering rights. Now it affects the big walleyes more than anything. They do occasionally get to go for muskies, and it's from what I understand is uh, it's kind of a, a pride thing with them to be able to go do their steering. But, uh, um, it, you know, it's not as big. I guarantee, Andy, and I've seen this over and over, uh, there's more caught and killed by little uh, little Johnny, who's out with his grandpa, gets a 37-inch water walleye fishing, and grandpa wants to get it mounted for him. There's a lot more like that is killed than the, than the Indians really kill them. The Indians do hurt the walleye population a whole lot because right after ice out, 
Those Indians are out there in the spotlight tonight getting those big females up on in the shallow water. Like casting and to them or spearing them? Spearing them. You could probably walk spearing. across them in the, in the streams. Yeah, yeah they're, walking, well, they're in little canoes. Yeah. Most of them, they, they do walk it too, and they just spotlight them at night up there and spear them. Just like I do when I go to South Carolina, North Carolina with a flounder. We'll go out there and walk out there and pull a little battery uh, pack behind us on a float and we'll spear flounder laying on the bottom because the spotlights make them easy to see. No kidding. I didn't, I didn't know that. I learned something. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, you know, but I tell you, it affects the walleye a whole, a whole lot more than it does the muskie. And out there for years and years, all the resorts had a muskie board up on their walls. And every muskie caught was, you put your name, the size, and what you caught it all on, and it was bragging rights for the resorts. And I got to study them over the years up there, and all the killed fish were walleye fishermen catching them on a minnow and jig. That was the most killed fish. You know, now, some things, you know, there was other caught and kept, but that was the biggest part of them. And now that they've up their size limits up there and stuff, that stuff's reducing down. But, you know, in, in Boulder Junction, which is in Dallas County, they still today, in front of two, they have two stores up there, uh, uh, sporting goods stores, and they had coolers with dead muskies every day laying out in the front. Mm. In fact, they had a muskie fest there for 22 years where they ate muskies, they said 5,000 people muskies. And it was all the meat donated by the taxidermists as they would get these fish mounted. You know, because Grandpa takes his grandson up and he gets a 37-incher, and Grandpa wants to get it mounted for him. <laughs> and that was what was killing more over anything. Now they've got those size limits, 40, 45, and 50 on some of those lakes, and that stuff's not happening as much. But, you know, not just because I got Indian blood in me, but I do believe that's all overrated on the, on the, uh, on the spearing of the muskies. It does happen, and every now and then the local paper gets a hold of the 54-incher that they got spearing, and they killed it, and one tribe, they have got three. And each tribe does have their limits. They have to turn them in daily and all that. But, you know, you see way more in the paper, and Joe Blow catches his biggest fish ever, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you, you touched on that. I mean, that's one of the things that to talk about one time is the, uh, you know, the size limits and, and things. The last three dead muskies I saw here at Chautauqua Lake weren't legal. You know, we, we have a 40-inch size limit. They were caught by, you know, I was here at the campground one time, and somebody came up and told me that they had this four-foot muskie down there that some kid caught off a pontoon boat, and I went down to, you know, they come up to get me. It was in the evening. I went down and took a look at it, and they had it laying there, and everyone was walking around looking at it, and they were going to take it down to the store and get their pictures taken and get it mounted and everything, and I, you know, pulled the dad aside, and I said, uh, I, I, I wouldn't take that down to the store. That, that fish is not legal. You know, how in the world could that not be a legal fish? It's because it's probably about 37 inches long, and they got to be 40. You know, and they're going to go get pictures taken, and uh, 
you know, I saw yeah, you know, held one up on a stringer in front of me there a couple of years ago, and they saw it to catch one, and they held one up on a stringer, probably 35 inches, but it was already dead, so what do you do? <laughs> uh. Yeah, you know, that happens here at Cape Run. There's no doubt, guys, are, I've seen a guy last fall put two in his live well, where you're only allowed to have one anyway, and they're supposed to be 36, and neither one of them are even 33. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and some of them just don't know. I mean, I felt bad that, that the, the, the father at first was like a little bit upset. I said, I don't be upset. Play the fish, eat it. I'm just telling you, don't take it to the store. <laughs> you know, they're not going to be able to, the, the tax service isn't even going to be allowed to mount it for you because it's not a legal fish. So, um, and they don't know any different. I mean, Six fish. There was nothing. 
there was it wasn't nothing to see a pickup truck with eight or ten of them in the back of a pickup truck and three guys uh, kill them, throw them in the back of a pickup truck. You've seen that a lot back in those days. Mm-hmm. Wow. How many so limits did you bring home? Ways and hopefully it'll come a lot more ways. Yeah. How many limits did you bring home back then? I sold a bunch. Well, <laughs> 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 to be truthful about it, when I was taught the musky fish, and my first job guiding was for Longbow Marina, and we were told that you never tried to take the hooks out of them until you beat them over the head. So my first 200 got killed. They came home and with you. Then I, there was no Musky Hunter magazine. There was no uh, Musky Zinc down here. We didn't know any difference. Yeah. And once about, I haven't killed one intentionally since 1990, my last guide day for the marina. Uh, when, when I got it for the marina, your process was to beat it over the head, take the hooks out of it, drag it behind the boat on a rope back to the marina and uh, take a picture of it in front of the marina sign, hold the old Polaroid, and you flame it up for the customer and send it home in a bag. And I would get these guys calling me saying, hey, we forgot about that uh, monkey in our cooler and it's been there since two days ago. You think it's any good? Or you'll have them call, hey, that monkey I caught with you. About eight months ago, I've had it in the freezer. You think it's really good? And it goes along. They say that 70% of the fish nationwide that hit the freezer get thrown out of the freezer as bad. And that's something we need to change over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, like, you know, like Todd, he's seen it from, you know, you kill every fish you catch to, you know, now we're 54-inch size limits in Minnesota. I mean, it's... Right. You, you you watched all this develop from you know, to no musky hunter, no internet, you know, no podcasts, no Facebook, to just you know kill everything to you know, these are the proper techniques. So, I mean, you watched it. This is a fast growing sport. It's a very fast growing. It wasn't that wasn't that long ago. You know, I remember being upset when I was a kid. You know, I catch one that was, you know. 35 inches and they had to be 36 on a certain lake and you know that 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 was a bummer <laughs> that wasn't big enough <laughs> but i tell you what i really do think guys that we're seeing it on the back end if you i did some research a few years ago and went through musky think when musky think was a little bit bigger than it was right now and there was only 70 to 75 Average over a five-year period that I did that in, which was in the late 90s and the early 2000s, entries that were over 50 inches uh, into Muskie's Inc. Now there's about seven to 800 50 inches entered into Muskie's Inc. the last part of the 2000s. So I think it has made a difference in the over, you know, getting more bigger fish. Oh, by far. I mean, I, I, I say that all the time. I mean, I, I probably... That my grandpa was coming up here to Lake Chautauqua in the late 40s, early 50s, and uh, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the you know people people will say to me all the time, "Oh, it's good to see the muskies are coming back on on the lake, or they're coming back." And I was like, "Well, you know, I look back to it. We probably put more muskies in my boat last season than my grandpa and all his friends did 
in the 40 or 50 years they, they fished here. No doubt, no doubt. It's all catch and release. I, I, but, sometimes I, I've caught the same one three days apart. <laughs> yeah, like I said to some people in northern Wisconsin, you know, years ago, every one of them was killed up there. You've never released a legal fish. No, no. ever yep. released a legal fish. You know, the same way you in Kentucky. Now it's took the big turnaround, and I really do think it shows up and it's showing up in the amount of fish caught, the uh, amount of um, uh, size. You know, and, and these kids these days, they're growing up different than we did. Oh, I'm yeah. Well, bluegill fishing and catching way more bluegill than I was going to clean. And after <laughs> I done cleaned about two dozen, I said, I'm not cleaning the rest of these things. It's all the way. You never thought a thing about it. And yeah. now, with like Andy says, and all the the social media and all that, people are educated more now, and that's what our whole thing at Southern Musky Fest down here came from. Because there is still a lot hate in Kentucky and Tennessee. Yeah, I didn't realize until I stayed home last summer. And by the way, they're easiest to catch on cave run in the summer months. They really, really are. And. Uh, I didn't realize until I stayed home last year how many were killed during the summer here. And we just want to educate. Now, a lot of our seminars at the, at the Southern Monkey Fest are going to be about catch and release. We're going to do seminars on exactly how to handle the fish once you get it in the net, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I just think more education. If you go to Minnesota, most every boat dock there has a sign for Muskie Bay that tells you why you should release that muscle. That it takes so many years for them to get that big. It takes so many years, you know, for from the the, the two hundred thousand eggs that they hatch, they may get one thirty five incher out of that hatch. And it gives you all those reasons. And I think it's all just education. And it's but it, you know it, the, the the crazy thing is how it, it you know it's affected Small lakes, all the way to say, all the way to a place like the, like St. Clair. Uh, oh yeah. The first time I went to St. Clair, I mean, every weekend they had a tournament and they took those fish in. Yeah, right. I remember that. We used to catch fish at St. Clair, but you didn't catch them like they catch them now. <laughs> oh, I know. And half the, and a lot of the fish that you catch at St. Clair, it's real evident that they've been caught. So you can even put pressure on a place. The size like that, and when you know when you're keeping them, uh, yeah. I mean, that's just you know we we we've got to see it. I, I had a different feeling. I don't go crazy ballistic when I see pictures of someone holding a dead fish uh, because I ate a lot of them. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid. I just try to educate them, and yeah. uh, and, and the reason why they should do it, I wish somebody would have did it to me.
you know, uh, what really got me, uh, I mean, did, did we, we got a fish in 98, uh, big, skinny, long, uh, 52 incher. My dad caught it. It was beat up. Uh, we couldn't, you know, we really couldn't get it to release real well and decided after it was not going to make it, we're going to get mounted. We, we took it fish in, in to get it mounted. And, uh, uh, at the time we were doing some tagging on the course of lakes. And, uh, you know, working with the fisheries up there, and you could send the, the taxidermist, so the, the, there was a bone in their jaw some, somewhere that the taxidermist can take out and send it in. Long story short, right. that does. he sent that bone in, and then uh, my dad got a nice letter saying, you yeah, know, thanks for participating. And it, his fish was 27 years old. Wow. Yeah. I was 29 years old at the time, you know, and I, I, I was just like, wow, that fish has been... I was, Every year I've been coming here fishing, that fish has been out swimming in this lake. Yeah, to take it that long. That's incredible. That's a great story. Yeah, I tell that all the time to guys, you know, because if they say, how old did they get? You know, obviously you're in a different situation. Your fish grow fast. But uh, 27 years to take that fish. Now, it was a wore out old fish, but, you know, I know that some of them are over 30 years old. That's why you got to be. That, that, that's why you got to really take care of those big ones because not all of them make it that big to begin with. And the ones that do, they've been in there a long time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, we're, we're approaching, you know, an hour and 15 minutes on this. Uh, Tony, anything that you want to plug? Anything that you're doing, you know, recently in the next month or so, you want people to get out there? No, you know, it's just, uh, I just, uh, I, I just hope that we can, I, we're Todd and I and Greg and guys like you, Andy, and they are lucky enough to get to do this a lot. I think to answer on as much information as we can is just a big factor um, in getting people, you know, it's a, it's a struggle catching monkeys to begin with, especially when you're new at it. And if you can pass on a little information to people that will cut their learning curve a little, you know, a little less, I think it's all we can do for the sport. And that, that's all I really want to plug. I don't have anything to plug right now. <laughs> Nothing. No Wisconsin trips coming up that you have openings? <laughs> I, I've done some, but I, I'm, you know, I, you know, my customer base up there is for a long time. I've got more guys wanting to go than I got going. <laughs> so, okay. Not looking for it that way. If guys want to, you know, what I, I maybe plug is people don't realize how good Cave Run can be down here in November. I don't get that many people down here in November. The weather's nice. Todd, you caught a monster down here in November. Uh, well, it's come over there. Uh, it's. You know, there's some big fish swimming out there, and we just don't get many lures in the water. So if anybody out there is listening and they're looking for a place to go with decent weather, and that's what I try to tell the guys in northern Wisconsin, you know, you guys like fishing that cold weather stuff. You know, our November is like your September up there in, in northern Wisconsin. Uh, we've got some great temperatures still here in November, and we got some really good fish. I just don't get all that much business in that time of year, and it, so if you're looking for a place to go all the way up to Thanksgiving and if the weather's at average temperatures or higher, 
December can be an awesome time of year here. It just seems like we lose people November and December down here that really is an opportunity of a place to fish south if you still want to extend your season. Okay, those fish are fat that time of year. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's <laughs> they are fat. They are big. <laughs> you look at Sarah's fish, the state record that was caught in November. I mean, it's yeah. a ton of, for the amount of lures that hit the water in November here, the catch rate for giants is really high because there's just not that many people that do it. Hmm. Other than that, guys, I really appreciate you having me along. Uh, uh, enjoy uh, talking with you guys. And uh, as always, uh, uh, you know, we'll see you around the musky world somewhere. Yeah, and, you know, we hope to have you back here. You know, give it, we'll take a little... You know, a month or so, Any, two months. Anytime. We, we you can, know me, I'm full of uh, I'm full of uh, worthless information. So just give me a call anytime. I love to chat. Yeah, and you Thanks, got Tony. Thank you, Tony. Thank All you, right. Tony. Thank you, guys. Yep. See you later. Hey, Andy, take it easy, Todd. Bye bye. Yep. Later. Yeah, that's 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 he, that was wonderful. He he has the most incredible stories. Um, we're gonna pry him out of them. You know, we're going to get some of them crazy ones. Oh, yeah. But, uh, he... It was like listening to an audio book. I barely... I just... I, I was... Just, it was just like I, if I would go home and download this, i just listen the whole time. You, I mean, I'm a sucker for stories. You know, you could just... Tony's got, Tony's got some stories, man. I mean, like, like Andy said, we'll get them going. <laughs> we'll get them going. We might have to hit them like one of those nights that I called him a few weeks back to ask if he wanted to be on this. Uh, we won't say exactly what was going on right now, but yeah, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll feel them out next time. But uh, I would imagine, you know, with with his last plug there about uh, cave run in November, you know, you could go down there, take your best climbing shoes, climb up a tree. There's probably about a, a you know a hundred musky lures hung up in the trees there. You could go in there, a climbing tree stand, climb the, <laughs> climb the trees, get the lures, and you could just have at it. You could you could go down there with no tackle. You, you got Christmas gifts for all your buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Or pay, or, 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 or at least pay for the trip. I yeah, mean, yeah, right. Musky flea market. <laughs> half the day picking lures and the other half the day fishing. Yeah. That, and they are big. I mean, I, I, I was, uh, I got to go down. I, I only fished down there one time in November. First time I was out there, we got one that weighed 40 pounds. Uh, yeah. Wow. 40, 41, I think 51 and a half. I mean, just a pig fish, uh, big silver, pulling, but, uh, that was that silver big, fish. Yeah, that's that big silver one. I got a replica made for you know from a guy down there. That was in ninety. I don't remember ninety nine maybe or something. But yeah, there's there's big ones. Tony used to have the state record down there, forty three pounds. Tony, like like Tony had it. Yeah, that was yeah, Tony, Tony's record. Yeah, yeah, Tony had the forty three pounder, and then his guy Scott Salchi got the forty seven pounder, and. uh I didn't know he had the, for the previous record. I oh, knew yeah. that girl got got one whatever five six years ago. Yeah, but Tony held Tony, that Tony Tony had that Tony had a record there. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like 40, 43 pounds, something like that. So that big because one because we we weighed. I was fishing with uh, Dale and uh, Dale Greg and I. We went out and we were trolling. They were just. I mean, Greg Greg was into trolling a little bit. He'd learned, but I we really met. I met Tony first, and then. We were up in St. Clair trolling, and uh, Dale and I were sitting at this picnic table, and you know, Greg walked up and said, uh, "Hey, man, you, I, 
I got to talk to you guys a little bit more about this trolling stuff. And uh, been very good friends. I mean, since then, Greg and I have taken trips to Canada together and keep in touch with him all the time. And, of course, he took it to a way further level than I ever did. But uh, he's, uh, yeah, we were fishing together when we caught that fish. Caught it on a big 8-inch jointed, jointed wily lure and, you know, all them guys, you know, most of them guys didn't think that those fish ate. That's not even a big lure, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and for for people, you know, who are listening, Greg is Greg Thomas, just so people know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that was fun. We're gonna we gotta get him on again here in a month or so, and but I guess. Uh, I don't know. We'll wrap it up here. You know, like Fat AZ Musky products on Facebook, fatazmusky.com. We make, you know, casting baits, rod holders, um, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, Todd Young. Uh, if you want a trip up north in the east, uh, call Todd. He's getting a, he's getting fish. And uh, what else? Ted, Todd, you want to add anything? No, I'm ready to go. I got to get this motor fixed. I haven't fit. I, man, I mean, I, I had my boat hooked up since uh, May 31st. I, I had to unhook it the other day to drop it off to see what was wrong with the motor. Uh, Does your truck drive different? <laughs> yeah, I got better gas mileage. <laughs> a little more spunky? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, got, I got much better gas mileage. So it was unhooked for two or three days. I, I went back and hooked it back up and now it's hooked on. I'm up here at my camp, brought my daughter up. We caught some nice perch, had a perch dinner and uh, we're heading out, uh, heading down towards my hometown there tomorrow and dropping it off. And the guy says it's gonna be a two day turnaround. So we'll see. Got a trip going out Friday, possibly. We'll see if I can pull it off. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully, hopefully it all works out. We can hear about it next week. So, yeah, hopefully uh, it's a big fish story. Yeah, big fish story, good running motor. Yeah. Everyone's happy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, good luck fishing.